five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, what is going on? I am here with my man, Stefan Duvier. He is a good buddy of mine and probably one of the most successful online personal trainers that I know personally. He is an exceptional paragon of being able to communicate through short form content, specifically on Instagram, to generate really strong organic leads for his online business. I'm going to talk to him about his business systems. He runs an online functional fitness coaching service called Mind Your Movement, where he basically speaks directly to a specific type of audience and helps people uh, like fix their movement in a very functional way. And we're going to talk about how he defined his audience. We're going to talk about his business systems. We're going to talk about his organic content strategy. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. And I'm really, really pumped to him. Steph and I have met a couple of times in person. We connected over Instagram. If you know my other content, you know, I run the Art of Move podcast with Dr. William Raybar, where we talk about biomechanics. So Steph and I actually originally connected through the movement space. We were talking about functional movement. We got to meet up and we did a little bit of exchange in terms of showing each other some cool stuff. This guy really knows his stuff when it comes to functional training and functional movement. He's also an exceptional track athlete doing high jump, I believe is your main sport. And just in general, watching the guy move, watching the guy train is, is a treat in and of itself. So you just watch him move and you're like, damn, I want to move like him. I want to do whatever he's doing. And that is great marketing in itself. But if you actually look at the systems and the strategy and the content, the creativity that goes into everything that he does, he's someone who you definitely want to learn from. So first of all, Steph, yo, thanks for hopping on and having this chat with me. I'm really, really pumped to talk shop. What an excellent intro, Anthony. I, I really haven't heard one better than that. So really appreciate you and appreciate the opportunity to be here, man, because I love this stuff. Obviously, I love movement. I love fitness, but I love business just as much. It's been a passion of mine that's kind of uh, been grown in the last few years. So I, I love any chance I get to talk about it. Right on, man. So let's dive right into the weeds of it. If you want to give people an overview of what your business is, I'd love to know who's the main client that you serve and how do you speak directly to them and the problem that you're trying to solve for them? For sure. So in terms of our avatar right now, it's what I call desk-bound athletes. So this is a white-collar worker who probably has some kind of background doing any kind of sport, whether it was high school or college, some kind of competitive level. And now they're just a recreational athlete or a weekend warrior, and they're trying to play basketball. They're trying to do pickup soccer. They're trying to go for hikes, whatever it may be. And now they got some kind of pain, some kind of tightness, some kind of discomfort that's preventing them from being what they want to be in whatever desired activities they want. So right now we're just helping them get back to being pain-free and get back to playing their activities however and whenever they want to. And I, I love that as an avatar too, because you know when you're talking about a desk-bound athlete, obviously they're at a desk, which means they have a job. They're going to be financially qualified to invest in themselves. But I'd love to know, how did you come up with that particular avatar when you were deciding who it was that you wanted to help? At, you know, How did you qualify that as the decision for who you were going to market to? Really good question, man, because that wasn't always the case that we had a really refined niche that was financially qualified, you know, and I think that for fitness is probably one of the biggest things because inherently, like everybody in the world, everybody in, in who's a human can uh, benefit from these services, from fitness and health services, but not everybody can pay for them, especially when you have a high ticket uh, price tag, right? Uh, so where I kind of went 
in terms of like finding this perfect avatar, right? And maybe there's still more room to get more specific, right? But where how I got to where I'm at now is uh, obviously like my background as an athlete, first and foremost, being um, somebody who's kind of gone through the ringer in terms of like high school, college, and now like being a professional as well in high jump. Uh, I just found that there were a lot of similarities that I had to this group of people, and I knew that I could help them because of those similarities. But the one main difference that I, I figured is really, really crucial is that this person is not a pro athlete because I went down that route before. And a lot of these pro athletes are kind of like in this on the cusp phase where they're not really making a lot of money from their their likeliness and from their actual like athletic uh, skill level. So that was a huge distinction that took a lot of trial and error, honestly, to make because before I was just trying to find like a carbon copy of me and that didn't really work, <laughs> you know, because uh, not everybody is blessed enough to have a business on the side of what they do uh, athletically, you know, so that was probably the one of the main driving factors in getting to where we are now. And I really like that too, because a lot of people will look at, and I think it's a, it is actually a good starting point for most people to look at their own background and their own journey and to speak from that place of personal experience, because how you end up discovering the other archetypes of people a lot of the times is you will talk about the struggles that you went through and certain types of people are going to be like, Hey, I identify with that. But then what you kind of have to do from there is you look at the other factors and be like, okay, well, you know, this group of people identifies with it. This group of people identifies with it. This group identifies with it. But this group over here is also financially qualified. They also have a more defined problem. They also have the time to be able to do it. Uh, it's also a growing market. It's like a bigger market for me to tap into. And I also know the language of how to speak to them. And even if you don't, it's still worth learning that language, right? For um, sure. I'd love to talk about your lead generation system. One of the things that I think you do exceptionally well, as I mentioned in the intro, is your organic reach. You know, with a, about 122,000 followers on Instagram, a really consistent posting schedule with Instagram Reels where you're addressing certain things and you're speaking directly to people. It, I see that you have a couple of lead magnets. So you have like a $1 offer. You have a free training thing. Uh, you have a DM system set up for lead generation. Could you kind of give us a broad overview of what your funnel looks like from you know a person who maybe has never heard of you before and nurturing them all the way to a paid high ticket client sure so at the top of the funnel we actually have two ways that we bring people in so yeah we do a lot of the organic content and the reels and that's what's brought us from actually 3k to 120 i think like 2k now in the last just year like i think in january we were at 3k or maybe february something like that we were at 3k followers Amazing. and we grew it um so yeah that's number one and then number two is something we introduced like a few months ago is paid ads so right now we're at a hundred dollars a day um, but we've cranked that up over the last like couple months. We started at like 20, went to 50 and then made that jump. Just like, yo, let's let's get after and hit 100. Uh, so we're bringing people in top of funnel there. And then from there, we obviously have like a ton of content that's going to nurture them. So I actually make specific posts that are one for getting people in the door. So posts that are going to be more like, hey, do you have this problem? I can help you fix it. Right. Because that's going to be something that's a little bit more uh, uh, keen to somebody's ear if they don't know me. 
because if I'm giving somebody a dream, if I'm trying to sell them a dream, they're going to be a little bit more skeptical to that if I don't know them. You know, so I'm always selling the problem if it's a lead magnet or if the post is what I call like a lead magnet. And then for nurturing, I'm going to sell the dream more so. So like, hey, if you want to be the best athlete you can be, if you want to bulletproof your body, you need to do these things. That's going to be more of a nurturing post for me. So that nurturing side obviously is going to be like a little bit under in the funnel after we break, we bring them in through either the ads or some of those reels. And then from there, uh, we'll have, like you said, that keyword call to action where we get people into the DMs. And we also have like another system where we'll just um, uh, straight up message everybody who follows and engages with all of our posts, um, something similar to like, hey, like saw you like this, um, like what exactly was uh, engaging you or something along the lines of uh, even I think we've used like, hey, like, are you a pro athlete or what do you do for work? And it sounds like a silly question, but it really, really has worked in getting people to open up and starting that conversation. Um, so it, it kind of uh, serves us really well. But anyways, I, I went on a tangent. So, yeah, we'll have uh, that nurturing process, get them into the DMs. From there, our, our setters will take care uh, of that person and have a conversation to, like, qualify them a little better. And then from there, we'll, we'll move them on to if they are a good fit, if they're a qualified fit, we'll move them on to a, a call, a consult call with our guy, Anthony. Nice. But not you, Anthony. You but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those Anthony's know how to close though, man. So yeah, facts. <laughs> for, for people who don't know what a setter is, a setter is someone who is hired on to jump into the direct messages. So someone is managing your messages for you and they're going in, they're building personal relationships with the people who are interested. I really like that you're taking the approach first of like, are you a professional athlete? What do you do for a living? There's a personalized, actual, genuine interest in the other person. A lot of the times when people are trying to sell in direct messages, it's very impersonal and they try to jump right into asking for marriage before the first date, so to speak, right? So you're building that rapport. I like that you're taking that personal approach. Um, and so, yeah, a setter is someone who does this process for a person, qualifies them, like you said, to get on a, a consultation call. Um, I, I, there's so many facets that I want to ask you about on each step of those processes. Let's start actually from the beginning in terms of where you're running your ads to. Are you doing ads to do a direct conversion to a DM? Do you have a landing page that you're trying to send people to? Are you trying to get people to your lead magnet? What is your current ad strategy and how mm -hmm. have you uh, kind of worked that so far? Good question. So I've thought about all those avenues and it, it just kind of almost blows my mind to think about how many uh, infinite options there are in terms of like where to drive people and how to kind of convert them. But what we're landed on right now is super, super simple. And like, that's kind of one of my main tenets. Uh, and I think for anybody who's a, a really good entrepreneur uh, it is simplicity and keeping the system as simple as possible. And in the past, that was definitely not the case. I definitely tried to do 10,000 different things and try to go in all these different directions, but it just complicates things. And it's really hard to kind of keep an eye on everything at the same time. So that being said, what we do right now is simply just, hey, follow me if you're this and you want help with this. That's the ad and we just drive them to our page. And from there, we really try and like boost the engagement on, on all of our posts so that they can see those. And sure, we can do retargeting ads. That's something I actually just talked uh, to somebody on my team about. But for now, uh, we, we got enough firepower with uh, the organic reach um, 
really targeting those people who come into the top of the funnel. Right. So, so you're literally just, you're not even driving them to take an action other than to follow you. And then you nurture them once they've followed you, then you're actually nurturing them. You're like you said, you're selling that dream. You address the problem first, you get them in the door, you get them following you. Then you're building that relationship, continuing to add value until they DM you something because they've seen so much of your content. They like what you're about and they're like, fuck it. I gotta, I gotta talk to this guy. Exactly. Exactly. Nice. And how much cold outreach would you say that you're doing? And do you have a setter doing that for you as well? Or do you have someone who's going and seeing who's liking your posts and sending messages to the people who are engaging with your stuff? So by cold outreach, you mean people who are not messaging us? Yes. Yeah. So what we'll do there is we'll have our setter go in and we had a VA doing this um, for a little bit, but actually not even the setter. We actually just implemented some automations. Uh, so when somebody will follow us, then they'll get automatically messaged um, and, and they'll just uh, be able to uh, come into the inbox uh, that way. So we're cold outreaching in that sense. Nice. That's really cool. So yeah. I'd love to talk about, so you have this cool nurturing process. How do you qualify someone? What are the things that you're looking for to see if the person wants to hop on a call? What are the, what are the things that you personally choose? Because there's financial qualification, there's time qualification. A lot of people have different things that they're looking for. And some people only look, it's like, can this motherfucker pay? <laughs> but what do you personally, when you're, when you're qualifying someone to see if you're going to spend the time with them on a consultation, what are the prerequisites and how do you get that information out of them? Sure. Good question. So financial qualification is first, because if they don't have money, then we can't help them, unfortunately, at least not with our paid program. Right. Um, so then from there, it's what exactly is their problem? Because before we were kind of like earlier on in my journey, I would be a little bit less strict in terms of who we actually help. And that wasn't really doing the any uh, any favors on the side of the delivery because we just had to do so many things. We had to specify for so many different types of problems. And and that was that was tough. It put a lot of strain on us for sure. So now we're very, very particular about the fact that somebody is specifically a former athlete. They have some kind of of athletic background because that does a, a few things for us. Number one, we find that athletes or former athletes actually get so much more out of the work that we do because they already know how to train. We're not teaching them to train from the ground up. So they're at this intermediate level where they're able to pick these things up faster because we're not really teaching them how to train. We're teaching them how to train better, you know? So that's one main thing. And then another thing is also the fact that they don't have any acute injuries because I've also dealt with people like that who we can help, but it's a lot more work. It's a lot more back and forth. We really, really got to be super attentive. Um, so I, I just leave that for the doctors now. Uh, anybody who has any acute injuries, just go see a PT, go go get images uh, scanned or what, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, really just chronic pain, tightness, anything above that, we, we, we don't really um, want to work with you. I love it, man. And I think that's something like, guys, if you're listening to this, the idea of staying in your own lane and not trying to handle other problems other than the specific problem that you're trying to solve, that is super 
super important. I've made that mistake myself before where I take on, you know, because I'm, I'm generally like, I'm very good at marketing and some people will reach out who are not in my industry that I specialize in. I specialize in coaching and consulting and people want me to put together ad campaigns or funnels for different things. And I've tried that before and the results that I've gotten haven't been great. And I have to, and for me personally, I'll refund someone if I don't get them results. So I would spend inordinate amounts of time trying to build this campaign. It wasn't necessarily successful because I didn't stay in my own freaking lane. I didn't solve the problem that I know that I can solve. So the thing that you're an expert in, just realize that's what you're an expert in. Don't try to solve other people's problems just because a person's willing to pay you money for you to try and figure it out for them. Like realize that you have a limited amount of expertise or you're solving a specific narrow problem, which is also better for your marketing. I love that you're taking the time and effort to see, hey, are you actually someone who we can help? Because a big part, I think, of business and marketing as well is your ability to get results. The word of mouth thing. The referral thing, that's that's massive. That's huge. So if you are trying to take on things that are a little bit outside of your scope just because you're like, well, I could probably help them, it's not a good idea. Like really not a good idea. So stay in your lane, clearly define the problem. I really want anyone who's listening to that, like really let that sink in for a second. That's why I, want, I just wanted to reiterate that. Uh, let's move on to your consultation process. You know, once they have been qualified, they're financially qualified, they have a specific problem, they hop on a call with you, Obviously, you have someone who's closing for you. We got Anthony out there who's, who's rocking it, but you were doing a lot of these calls yourself and you obviously created a, a script or a process that you train Anthony on. So what is that, uh, that process? What is the consultation that you take someone through and how do you take them from you know beginning of the call as someone who's kind of curious all the way to closing them as, as a high ticket client? Yeah, really good question. So I think the main thing is really just getting the person to understand how serious their problem is. Because oftentimes, and I've been there too, I have this issue and I've had it maybe for a while. And obviously, yeah, maybe I'm on a consultation call with somebody or, or actively looking to get help. But until I talk to that person and they ask me the right questions to penetrate deep, not only the logical side of things, but also the emotional side of things, I never really understood like, wow, this thing like actually is affecting me, you know, and that's what actually is going to drive somebody to take action and pay you money. So I really like to focus on those two aspects. Like, okay, what are the logistics of you being in this pain? Okay, you can't play your sport. You can't go out with your friends to hike or do these other activities that you used to do. Okay, well, now how does that make you feel? Right? Like, you, you can't you can't go out and do these things with your friends. Oh, well, I feel a little bit lonely. Oh, well, what else? Oh, well, you know, like I really find a lot of identity in my athletics. I find a lot of identity in my, my, my ability to perform. And that's just tearing me down to not be able to have, you know, so just getting deeper and deeper and asking those why questions to keep on peeling back layers and get to the root of why they're here in front of you. That's probably the main thing from a very high le uh, level. Hmm. And then so you're you're connecting them to their emotional pain associated with the problem that they have. And are you gathering information about their situation? Are you trying to after they've connected to that? How do you transition that into the close? Good question. So in terms of gathering information, we have actually gathered way too much information in the past, you know, so we've gone really technical being like, okay, so how long was this hurting? Or like, well, maybe that's not the best example, because I think 
people are going to think that that question is a good question to ask for the wrong reasons. Mm. Because the how long question, like it doesn't necessarily matter in terms of like you solving their issue. It matters more in terms of how long have they been like feeling that themselves, you know? So any question that's going to be a little bit more technical, like a better example would probably be like, oh, like where do you experience tightness in your body? Like, oh, like, do you think that's related to like the alignment of your spine or like, oh, do you think like going like, oh, do you have like proper activation in your glutes? Like, I think that's getting too much into the coaching side of things Mm. instead of like really understanding their problems. You know, like I I think the whole call should be 80 percent understanding their problems and getting them to see that you care and understand about their problems and then maybe 20 percent solving. But really, most of the solving is just positioning your product, which gives me which brings me to what you asked transitioning into the close it's really just like okay i understand you like how's this all sound like how do you feel about all this um and now okay well i have this thing that i think can help you in all these different areas that you told me you told me that your back hurts you told me that you don't have enough time to work out or maybe you have limited time you told me all these things just repeating back the problems that they told you and then from there positioning what you have as helping them I like that a lot. The one thing that I like the how long have you been having this problem question, the, the, what I use that for personally when I'm doing sales scripts is to see, it's like, oh, I've, you know, I've been struggling with this for like five years. Where I go with five years, whoa, that's a long time, man. Like how, what have you tried in those five years to try and solve that? And that's a good window to kind of see what have they tried in the past that hasn't worked well. And then when they tell you that, you say, why do you, why do you think that didn't work well? And you can kind of see the problems with the other solutions that they've tried, which are going to be subconsciously, those are going to be objections that they come up with later on in the sales call, right? If someone's like, oh, well, you know, I had a personal trainer for a little while, but uh, you know, even though I was doing the workouts, I would go home and I would eat a bunch of Cheetos and like, I didn't actually follow through. I didn't feel like I had enough accountability. So you're like, okay, accountability, like that's going to be something that when we're talking about, it's like, you know, I know in the past you had these you tried these things and you didn't have enough accountability, but in my system, we're going to be on your ass every day. We have these 15 minute check-in, whatever it happens to be. Right. And so you, you kind of pre-handle these subconscious objections where it's like a lot of the times people are like, why is this going to be different from the, all the other times that I've tried to solve my problem, but wasn't able to, that's the, you know, the, how long question is sort of my transition into that when I'm putting together a sales script. And so I love that you're, you know, it's like, it's people do get way too into the coaching and technical side of things when they should just be trying to understand the pain, the problem and the obstacles that they have in trying to solve their problems so that you can, like, like you said, position yourself as the solution, as the only logical solution. So I love that in fitness in general, a lot of a bottle, a bottleneck that is really common for personal trainers is they take on -on one-on-one clients, they're doing individual programming and it doesn't end up being very scalable. And this is something that, you know, a lot of the services that I've offered, the coaches that I've worked with has oriented around scaling up and being able to help many, many people at the same time. And you obviously have a huge capacity for high ticket clients. What's your delivery system that allowed you to do something scalable at a high ticket within the fitness industry? 
Great question. So what we do is we'll take people on um, and have them on a Discord platform. And we went back and forth with a lot of different platforms. Ideally, I would have kept it all in one place, but uh, the fitness app that we use, the specific one we use, just doesn't really have a great community and messaging feature. Uh, so we decided to go on Discord and basically we house all of our communications on there. So we'll have these one-on-one -on -one chats with every single one of our clients. And then we'll also have these community channels where we really have been getting good at encouraging people to share their wins. Uh, we have a form review channel where people can drop their uh, exercise videos in. And then sometimes what's happening now is that people are responding to them instead of us responding to them. I'll always try and give my feedback and my two cents. Uh, but a lot of the times other people are, are giving their two cents and encouraging each other. So yeah, we have um, that form review channel. We have uh, just a general channel where people are posting content people are just kind of like saying what's up uh introducing themselves and then we also have a wins channel where we can get that good energy going get people motivated get people happy um so basically our whole idea is just creating a community that's self-sustaining i think that's really the major part of scale um and really kind of getting people to feel like they're still getting the value even though they're not talking to me as much. Mm. Now, we still are doing 30-day check-in calls. So every 30 days, I'll hop on a call with clients. Um, we'll also check in with them every Monday and Thursday. And I have a, an assistant coach helping me out with that. Uh, but we have some accountability systems in place to really make sure that even though, yes, we're trying to make the community grow and be self-sustaining, uh, that we also are making sure that they're talking to me um, and that they're giving uh, or that they're getting that personal attention and, and really kind of feeling cared for in that way. And for each client that you sign on, do they get individualized programming or is it something that you have templates for or it's, it's, it's each person has their own unique program? So there's a huge template that we use that's up applicable to pretty much everybody. And that's actually going back to what we were speaking about with Niche. That's why another reason why it's so, so important, because I'm able to get one program that's a one size fits all for most people with some modifications, of course. But for the most part, the, the main probably 80 percent of it is something that I can use for all the clients that come on because they're also similar, experiencing similar problems. Mm -hmm. Right. So then the individualization is going to come on the onboarding call that I have with them and in some of the discourse that we're going to have uh, throughout the program uh, in the in the community channel and whatnot. I really want anyone who's listening to that to let that sink in as another piece of why it's so important to define a specific problem. A lot of the times people have, again, too broad of a problem that they're trying to solve. And then individualization needs to be a, a factor because you're trying to sell things to too many people with too many variants of a similar problem. And the more specific of a problem that you can solve, the more specific of a person that you can try to help, the more you can create a step-by-step -step system. If you've heard me talk about, uh, you know, creating an offer, I, I often quote, um, Joshua Lysak, who wrote the book, So Good They Call You a Fake, where he talked about this idea of step-by-step -step with no steps skipped and systematizing your knowledge where, where you would take someone, a particular 
a client archetype from point A to point B, and you define every step along those journeys. And if you define the archetype that you're helping, you define the problem, you can create a system that is a one size fits all. And it really pisses people off when you talk about a one size fits all approach in fitness, because everybody is unique and every, but, but here's the thing, you're defining a certain problem you're defining it's like you're a desk bound athlete so it's like i know you're athletic i know you have kinesthetic awareness i know that you are going to understand my cues i also know that you sit too much and you're going to have these physiological issues and so it's like you you aren't one size fits all your one size fits everyone who you are helping specifically right and if there needs to be a little bit of variation you have the capacity to add that but because you have this baseline template because you have systematized what it is that you are offering to people that is how you scale fitness programs is the more clearly you define who it is that you're helping the easier it is to create a standard operating procedure with your system and that's going to be the defining factor of how you can scale up and help a lot of people all at once rather than getting bottlenecked by having to do so much individualized programming. And I think that's something that I just want people to like really, really let that sink in. And to add to that too, we have gotten such good results just within the first week of a client joining on for this exact reason. So even sometimes we don't get a, get a chance to get on an onboarding call with them quite yet because we might be backed up. So we might have to get on the, on a call with them like four five, six days, even sometimes after they sign up. But when they come on the onboarding call, they're telling me like, yo, Steph, like, this is crazy. Like, do you get people who get results this fast? Like my body's already different. My movement feels better. Like I feel more open and all these other things that are just indicative of the fact that they didn't really need me. They didn't really need so much personalization to get those results. Mm. So I'm going to, talk about a little bit of the mechanics of your business again, because we talked a lot about your organic reach and your ad strategy actually feeding into your organic and you're providing a lot of value through your organic content. And I want to talk more about your organic content, but I also want to talk to you a little bit about your lead magnets that you have. You have a free training offer and I think a $1 offer as well that you market or you did for a while. And what role does lead magnets play or those free offers play uh, in terms of nurturing or, or getting your leads? Yeah, so currently we were doing the dollar thing and I was just like, you know what, like, let me just take a little bit uh, of that operational drag, um, pay for a little bit of extra slots on my training app and just make it for free. A lot, a lot of that too was because even though we're probably not ever going to make some of these people clients, but some of them from India and like these other third world countries literally just couldn't pay the dollar because of some like payment processing issues, but Anyways, uh, we made it for free. Um, so that's a seven day training package. Um, and basically it's all about the first step that we take with all of our clients to start getting them results. And it's really the most foundational thing that, in my opinion, which is body awareness and just being able to understand what are these different sensations that I should be feeling through my body that maybe I've gotten numbed out of over time. Hmm. So we like to use that freebie or whatever you want to call it as a first step that will then reveal other problems, right? Like, okay, now I'm more in tune with my body after these seven days, but 
What about strength? What about building more kind of fluidity in my movement and all these other things, right? So they're getting a really good result after the seven days. Like we've got for, for the people who actually did the program straight from front to end, we get really good results. Like people telling us like they're jumping higher, people telling us they're feeling bouncier. Uh, but at the end of the day, like everybody knows that just seven days isn't going to make you the beast that you want to be if you have high standards for yourself. So from there, it's a pretty easy sell to get them into the program. Like, hey, like this is just a start. If you want to continue elevating and you want to build on this new foundation that you have, then we got to go a little bit deeper. Well, and this is something that I love pe seeing people do is solving the first problem because every time you solve the first problem, there's like 10 other problems that, that come up that you want to eventually solve, right? And the, the fastest way to get someone to trust that you can help them is to actually help them. So, you know, you're saying it's like, well, my clients are getting these fucking results in like a week, right? So it's like, let's put together a week program and get them results. Then they can trust that I know what I'm talking about. They can tangibly see the value because they did the seven days. They feel amazing. People are jumping higher. They're feeling springy. They feel great. And then it's like, well, you want to take it to the next level? Just hop on board. We, we, we got you covered right over here. How do you convert those people who took that seven days? How do you nurture them or follow up with them and get them on consultation calls after that? Yeah. So basically because they're messaging us that keyword, mm. they are in our system. They're in our CRM. We use ManyChat right now, if you've heard yes. of it. Um, so yeah, we, we, they're in our system and, uh, we have their contact and from there we just follow up with them. I think it's something like a few days, like maybe like exactly a week after they messaged us the keyword for the program, which will automatically send them the link. Um, they will uh, be followed up with seven days later. Um, and we'll ask them like, Hey, like how'd it go? And then just initiate a conversation from there. That's cool, man. That's really, really cool. And so you automate a lot of that, uh, follow-up process with many chat. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that initial um, question or that initial like message, that initial automation, uh, when they send the keyword, it'll send them the program, right? And then we'll have, uh, we've tested out a bunch of different questions. At first, um, like a little, like a couple months ago, we were asking them where they're from, because that was a huge indicator of whether that would be um, qualified or not financially, because we were getting a lot of people like, from India, for instance, uh, that just never converted. Like we took a lot of calls with people from there. And, uh, I think it was like zero, like actually 0% converted out of like a hundred something people. So, uh, that was a uh, one qualification question that we used to just initiate the, the conversation. And it's super chill. It's very casual. Like, Hey, by the way, where are you from? Right. You know, um, getting into that. So now, like I told you, we actually found that the, uh, the the job question the career question is a little bit more powerful and it has a better uh uh answering rate too mm. i think it's like right now we're at like 90 plus percent of people are answering uh that cool. question so asking them again like hey so by the way are you a pro athlete or what do you do for work and then people like you know like the psychology of that people never want to like be I don't know, mislabeled or anything like that. So immediately they're like, oh, no, 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 I'm not a pro athlete. I'm X, Y, Z. <laughs> and then from there, we know whether to continue the conversation. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, and again, I, I like the two options thing where it's like, are you a pro athlete or what do you do for work? And I think there's something about like being given two choices. People uh, subconsciously, when you're given two choices, 
your mind will automatically answer the choice. And then the, there's a little bit of psychological momentum that comes into answering that as well. So I think that's pretty powerful as well. There you go. I'd love to talk a little bit about your organic strategy because again, you do Instagram reels better than most people that I see across many industries. And the fact that you grew from 3000 to, you know, 122,000 followers in, in the span of like, it's November, you started 3000 in January, you were saying, I would love to know, do you have a formula that you use? Do you have a, a sort of structure that you use for your, your content and how do you plan that out and execute on it? Yeah, great question. So I'll try my best to remember those, but you might have to remind me, uh, but I'll, I'll start from a high level first. So I want to preface with the fact that as I grew from 3K to 122 or whatever, I was in a place where I was a little too focused on engagement, a little too focused on the vanity metrics, because at the end of the day, yes, like growing a, a social media page is an asset that you can kind of dig into later. But truth be told, it didn't always correlate to more money coming into the business. So that's just something that I want to preface with, that more engagers, more followers doesn't always equate to better business and business growth. So I want to say that. Now, secondly, uh, I guess bridging off of that, I'm getting into a place now where we're trying to balance engagement because engagement is very important because the more people see your message, the more people you're going to nurture and the more people's beliefs you're going to break to eventually become your client, right? So engagement is important, but it has to be a very targeted engagement. So I'm really being particular about how um, messaging in every single one of my posts so that it's not for everybody, so that it's not just for any kind of athlete. It's not just for anybody who's trying to jump higher or run faster, but it's for my specific avatar. So I'd say just really, really getting super crystal clear on who it is that you're serving, as we've talked about before, and then portraying that in your messaging, that's probably like top, 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 top um, uh, key uh, in terms of making content. But from there, it's then like, okay, what are these people's problems? What are the specific problems that only they face? And then you talk about those problems in your content. So I'm probably... 80% problems, just like on the sales calls, I told you 80% 80, 80 problem, 20% solving it. Because at the end of the day, people are so, so bombarded with solutions to their problems, but they're not really catered towards their actual problems because these people who are giving the solutions don't take the time to understand their problems. So if we can talk about the problem, define it really well for that person, that's going to be a stepping stone in them in terms of them actually being able to solve that problem and who better to help them solve it than the person who told them what the problem was in the first place. Yeah. I mean, exactly. A hundred percent. And so once you've defined that, so that's, that's like the, the overall, that's the high level, right? You define yeah. it, you figure out the problem, you define the problem, and then you, you continue to communicate that do you have a communication strategy in your content? Do you have a structure that you follow? Uh, for me, you know, I'm, I'm doing this 30 day, just post anything challenge. And I'm trying to teach people the fundamentals of communication 
on Instagram in particular. The, the framework, for example, that I use is a hook, value, and a call to action. So you try to get people's attention, you deliver the value, that's the, the open loop of curiosity that you created with the hook, and then you tell them to do something. In your case, it might be like, you know, DM me this word and I'm going to contact you or it could be for your ads it's like follow me if you want to learn how to solve this problem right so that's the framework that i use do you have a, a strategy or a framework or a template that you try to work off of or is it just kind of more free flow creative definitely so one more high level thing before i get into that your communication is very much predicated on your body language and your overall energy. And I know you know about this because you can say something like this and be talking about something and, you know, you're saying the words or you could really get animated when you talk and be really, really energetic so that you can give off the energy that you want that person to feel. And then they associate you with that good feeling inside of them. So that's something that I'm really, really particular about. Now, getting into the actual structure of it, yeah, the hook is really, really key because as you talked about in a couple of your pieces uh, in the past few days, that first few seconds is what somebody needs to realize or to decide whether they're going to continue watching that piece of content or not. And so in that hook, it's like, okay, what are they gonna get out of it and why is this piece of content different than the thousands of other pieces of content that this person is watching? So there's so many different ways to do that. Um, for instance, it's like calling out something that everybody does and never questions and telling them why it's completely wrong. Like I had this one post uh, that was... I forget the hook exactly, but it was basically something along along the lines of like, um, uh, here's uh, like doing core exercises like this isn't actually going to make your core stronger. Here's why I'm butchering it, but something along those lines. And that one got like millions of views. That was like one of my most viral views mm. uh, or posts that got, got me where I'm at in terms of followers. And then another one was like, uh, you see this shaking, this is the nervous system freaking the fuck out. <laughs> and uh, I'm just talking about a, a principle or a, a phenomenon that's very common in people that nobody really talks about or questions. So I think it's like pointing out the elephant in the room that everybody's kind of experienced, but giving your own take on it and bringing words to that experience. So I'd say that's a big part of it in terms of the hook itself. Mm. And then it's very similar to what you just said in terms of value and then call to action. Like I said, I'll really focus on the problem first. So I have maybe like one hook and then another kind of like secondary hook and then talk a little bit about the problem. Uh, like this is probably why you experienced this. Mm. You've been doing X, Y, Z. And then um, depending on what kind of post it is, like how long the, that post is, I might delve into the problem a little bit deeper. Or sometimes I'll go into like, okay, here's the problem. You know the problem now. So here are three things that you can do to fix it. And that's actually something that I found really, really good is to list things and have mm. like three things or five things. I usually stick to three because people psychologically, I, I guess, love that number, uh, whatever it is. It's just easy for them to digest. So, yeah, just really try and package things in a way that people can actually receive the value. Because if you're just talking and talking and talking and there's no order to what you're saying, then people aren't really going to be able to pick up the message that you're trying to give them. 
So the one thing that I'm hearing that you really emphasize, whether that's on your sales calls or whether that's on your organic content, is you have a big emphasis on problem awareness. Yeah. Problem awareness is huge. Yeah. Uh, again, like there's so many people giving solutions out there, but they end up just being cookie cutter and not working for people because people don't actually understand why they have the issue. Because again, Albert Einstein says this, like if he, if he's given a certain amount of time, like an hour, I think he said to solve a problem, he's going to spend the first 40 or 45 minutes defining the problem. And then the last 15, 10 minutes, uh, actually coming up with the solution for that problem. Hmm. And, and I think w one of the things that's powerful about that too, is it does actually connect people to the fact that it's like, shit, I got to solve this, right? Like this is, this is, oh my God, like problem awareness is actually, if, uh, uh, a major thing. And again, if you just talk about like, say back pain, right? It's like, if you have back pain, then try this core exercise versus if you have back pain, it's probably caused by the fact that you're sitting all day in your desk and you're talking to the, the specific audience. And what's happening to your body when you're in this position, your hip flexors and your lumbar spine, you just start to explain it a little bit. It's like, can you feel that happening? You're turning into a shrimp in your chair. No wonder, you, you know, it's like you, you kind of like really paint a picture and they're like, oh my God, that is me, right? And so you're calling people out and you're making them aware of the problem. Because you could say it's like, if you have back pain, they're like, yeah, my back aches once in a while. But then you create this narrative, you create the story around why it happens and like what the circumstances are. It's like, there's a gazillion reasons that people have back pain. A golfer could have back pain because they don't have enough rotation in their swing, right? It's like, if you're a golfer who has back pain, it's probably because you don't have this technique down in your swing, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, okay. And it's like, you need this core exercise to fix it. Then it's not just the solution. Like you said, a lot of people sell the solution, but people don't care enough about the idea that the solution, they, they don't even know that the value is valuable because the problem hasn't been defined clearly enough for them. And that, again, that's something that you do exceptionally well. And um, would you say that that's kind of even like with your paid ad strategy that, you know, obviously you're defining, it's like if you're a desk bound athlete or you, you experience pain and you're not at your peak anymore, is that kind of where you go into from there is you're just like really hammering on the fact that they have that problem? Yeah, exactly. So like pay, is your question about paid ads? Paid ads, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Super problem oriented. So like, uh, first off, calling them out, like in the paid ad, I'm not wasting any time like talking to who I want to talk to, because then I'm wasting money, right? Then the people who aren't meant to see that are seeing it. And that's my money being spent on those people. So like, no, straight up, like, if you're a deskbound athlete, and you're not at your peak anymore, and you're experiencing XYZ pains, and you've tried all these things to solve it, and you just haven't been able to get out of it, like, just really going down the rabbit hole with those problems and then being like you know what like i might actually have that solution for you like just go look at my page binge watch all my content where i show you exactly how to get back to your peak performance and reverse all your pain like that's it that's it that's all that's powerful um yeah. can you give us a broad overview of the people in your team uh, what are the different moving parts in terms of what, what you handle operationally versus what you've been able to outsource and scale to? And then I'd love to know, how did you find the right fits for these particular roles? So let's start with like an overview of like who's on your team and then how you found your team and qualified them and, and scoped them out. Yeah, for sure. So in terms of the different roles, 
right now, I'll start with myself. Right now, my main uh, task is content creation. And not the editing, not even putting it on social media, just simply coming up with the ideas, coming up. And a lot of the times, maybe we could talk about this after, but I don't even come up with a lot of these ideas because I've already done the work myself. And I oftentimes just kind of rehash old posts to make them a little bit more specific, tweak certain words and kind of A-B test a little bit in that way. But anyways, I digress. Um, so I'll come up with ideas, I'll shoot the raw footage, and then I'll send that off to the editor, um, who will edit that up, kind of add the B-roll, add the captions, um, and stuff like that. And then I also have a social media manager who's my girlfriend. Otherwise I probably wouldn't have a, a separate role for this. Um, but she's the one who's putting those posts and, uh, uh, also managing the editor, but putting the post primarily on social media every day. Um, we also have an assistant coach, so also my girlfriend, who's uh, pretty much just helping people with the issues that they have as they go through the program. Um, so she's not like quite as knowledgeable as me, but she's damn near close. So she'll always be able to give them a good amount of value. And then whenever she's not quite sure um, about uh, a question or anything that comes up, then she'll uh, 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 kind of go to me for that. Um, and then we have one setter, one closer, and then I also have a sales manager. Hmm. So what our sales manager does is he will basically oversee the whole sales department. So setter and closer, um, he'll also go through the whole hiring process. So we're actually in the market right now for another setter and closer to double the whole sales process. And he's the one who's going through all of the hiring, vetting people, he'll have like an initial assessment and then a skills assessment um, to just really vet them properly. And he'll uh, he'll go over conversations that our setters are having, go over calls that our closer does and just basically train them up to get better and better over time. Um, so yeah, I think that's about it. And nice, what man. was the other question? It, it was was how you came up with the like how you found those people and how you found the right fits for those particular roles. Where you found them and how you knew they were the right fit. It was brick by brick, man. And honestly, a lot of it was intuition. Because uh, to be honest, like I had no idea what I was doing when it came to hiring, and I really, really just relied on my ability to vet people really well. I think I'm really good judge of character and really just good at going with my intuition. Whenever I don't, bad things happen. <laughs> so I've just been uh, coerced into really, really trusting my intuition. So uh, more specifically, I had a business coach that I was working with, and he basically had a Rolodex of people, um, of setters. And we tried some of those, but funny enough, I didn't actually end up going with those like for my fir very first setter hire, like mm -hmm. about a year ago now. We actually got introduced to this guy from my business coach because they had a direct relationship and he ended up being an A play, like a tr an A plus plus player to the point where it didn't end up working out like six months later because he had to go and do his own thing, make his own business. And now he's a really successful performance coach, oh, no. actually. Um, <laughs> go figure. 
Exactly, exactly. So, but anyways, like it started off with that one hire. Um, and from there, the momentum just started rolling because we had that setter. And then now it's like, oh, well, we need a closer now because I'm the one taking these sales calls and I want to be able to refine delivery a, bit, a little bit better. Right. And I want to be able to also market a little bit better, but I'm spending all my time on these sales calls. So the next logical thing was to get a closer. And then from there, it's like, damn, like I have no idea what I'm doing in terms of training these closers and setters. Like, let me get somebody to manage them. And funny enough, that one also didn't really, it wasn't something I was actually actively looking for. It was something that was introduced to me and it just seemed like such a good fit and such mm. a high value thing for the business that it was kind of a no brainer because ultimately like my goal with this whole business thing personally is to give myself the freedom to pursue other things that I really love in my life. And the biggest thing for me right now is being able to train for the Olympics mm. because I've been in a place for these past few years where I was so focused on business, so deep in the weeds, and I couldn't really give my attention to training in the way that I needed to. You know, like in college, I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think sort of relevant. But in college, like I was just free. Like I didn't have to worry about rent. I didn't have to worry about food. I didn't have to worry about this and that. And when I got to the real world, real world, I wasn't really uh I guess I didn't have that luxury. So my training went down, performance went down. I wasn't really able to kind of like take care of myself in the same way until finally, like five years later, I'm able to actually have that that stability from the business. So even if that means hiring somebody else, like a sales manager, which some could argue isn't really necessary at the stage that I'm at right now, mm. but because it gives me the freedom that I want even more so, and it still helps me grow and build the business, that that was a no brainer for me. So yeah, circling back to the question, like how did I find these people? They all kind of just found themselves uh, to, to be, you know? Yeah. No, uh, no crazy hiring process or agencies required. That's uh and you know what? Sometimes a lot of, well, internal hires are, are a pretty common thing or like you, you make connections and you get referrals and that's usually it's just kind of like you know a guy who knows a guy and the right people tend to find you when you're connected with the right people and being connected with the right people requires you to invest in yourself like you said you had a business coach who introduced you to your first your first setter and over time as you continue to make these connections things just happen exactly. internally and organically and i love that intuition base like you know what you're on let's let's fucking go <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, so dude, being mindful of your time here, I know you have a hard stop, but I'd like to thank you so, so, so much for having this conversation. I feel like in you know less than an hour, we packed in so much valuable information about how you can create structure for a fitness business and how you can scale it, how you can market it. Uh, you know, We talked about things like defining the problem that you're solving for people, how you can communicate that, how to create problem awareness with organic content, the DM systems. We talked about how you can focus on that problem awareness on your consultation calls and basically use that to position yourself as the way to offer your solution. We talked about so much. And if you guys are watching this on YouTube, let me know what you found most valuable about this conversation. If you're listening on Spotify, please leave us a little review. This is a brand new podcast and I'm really stoked to be bringing it out here. Uh, the value that you just dropped is like un fucking believable. So thank you so much for hanging out. If you guys want to check out Steph's work on Instagram, it's at 
Air Duvi, D-U-V-I. And I would highly recommend checking out his content, not only because it's very, very valuable, good fitness content, but also as just an example of how you can start structuring your content and model your own communication and business after it. This is a guy that you want to emulate. I really appreciate that, Anthony, and love being on on podcasts like this, man, because again, like I don't really talk too much about this business stuff other than with my close friends, but uh, getting the opportunity to be able to discuss these systems and all, all these things and geek out on all of it really, really touches a certain part of my heart. So really, really appreciate it. And next time we're going to have to go a little bit deeper into the content creation because I felt like there were some really, really nitpicky tactical things that I didn't necessarily want to get into right now. That's why sometimes I was struggling to even like <laughs> articulate things because there are just so many things coming up in my mind. But yeah, next time we're going to have to go a little bit deeper into that because I think that'll be really helpful for people. Yeah. We'll definitely do a part two and we'll get right into the nitty gritty of the of, of that content creation side in particular because again, you do that so, so, so well. And there's a million other questions that I had about it too. Uh, so guys, Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. This is a new podcast, so obviously leaving a review, subscribing, sharing it with your friends, it helps a ton. If you want to check me out and check out more of my work and see how you can get more support on building and marketing a coaching and consulting business to ten dollars to $20,000 a month or more, follow me at Instagram at anthony.manuel, M-A-N-U-E-L-E. We'll catch you on the next episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.